We know that people met in homes. The earliest church we know of was Peter's house. Yeah. You know, Nymphus met in, in, in their house um, in the Book of Romans. So th- this was the pattern. So is it something that we should try to do? Is there grace? Could we meet in a building and because the church has gotten bigger, as long as you can keep the... I'm Chuck Tate, and here at Fellowship of Believers, we encourage families, strengthen marriages, and edify the body of Christ. I'm Larry Grimm. We also promote biblical doctrine in a fun and engaging way. And I'm Sarah. And if it's Christian, we're talking about it. This is the Mike Charleston Show. There's a sinkhole. Uh, <laughs> all right, welcome. I don't, I, there we go. There we yeah. go. That was a, a, a rough opening there. Uh, you have to wait for the audience to clap. Well, yes, but you were talking. <laughs> so, whatever Sorry. it is, what it is, and uh, Josh was trying to figure out all the technical stuff, the cameras. The, it's just we've had a lot of restarts here. So anyway, I don't know how we've had a lot, but um, we record the show De- out of order. <laughs> delays, that so, delays. Yes, we've had delays. So Hopefully, no more. I blame it on the rain. Yes, That's right. What the I weather. Do. Yes. Yeah. The weather outside is very frightful. frightful. Yeah. But the fire, never mind. It's delightful. <laughs> yes, but it's not snowing. That's anyway, awesome. so I, I'm Mike Charleston. This is the Mike Charleston Show, and we got Chuck and Larry over here, I and guess. Sarah's in the chick chair here with me. So today we are going to be answering a question from my boss. And so I haven't answered him yet. Tread lightly. Oh. So Evan, are you are you, <laughs> yeah. are you watching? <laughs> so, uh, so he asked me what I thought. What did he? Um, he, he asked me about what I thought about Francis Chan's model of church. So that's what we're going to talk about is the the model of church. So I guess the first thing though we have to talk about is. A lot of people out there probably don't know much about Francis Chan to begin with. Like, why is his model of church more important than, say, mine? You know, because Francis Chan is popular. That's why. And uh, so it's more relevant. But, okay, so uh, I don't know much about Francis Chan. Larry knows a lot more about Francis Chan. Yeah. Chuck? I don't, I don't know much about him. Sarah? Just heard of him. Just over the last few days. Yeah, so I mean, okay, so I'll, so I'll start off. this, Larry. Yeah, well, uh, so <laughs> I'll, I'll start off with saying yeah. that I, I, I knew Francis Chan from a long time ago. He had some weird ideas, and he was just, he was a, he was a big megachurch pastor. Had about 5,000 people or something like that. Yeah. And then on my birthday, on my birthday. Was that two, did it? Well, in 2010, <laughs> on my birthday, he announced that he was leaving his mega church and doing something else, which was like, ooh, wow, you know, this is so cool. And he was going to start doing like house churches. Well, by this, by this point, we have already been doing house church for about 10 years. So if you're already in a movement and some guy comes in, we were just like, well, thank you. Welcome to the club, you know, right, I guess. Yeah. But. What are you gonna do? You're a, you're a big mega church pastor. Yeah. Are you for real? And I guess over the years, well, we'll get into that. I guess a little, but that's that's kind of what I know. I don't know a lot about his books or his readings. I've read about his church models and things like that. But as his teachings go, I'm I'm I really didn't care. I honestly I didn't care. Well, it is hard to find what he he doesn't never really say what he believes. I, maybe he has recently, but when I was first checking him out, because somebody we know in Florida 
was quite impressed that he actually left the big mega church to do the yeah, home sure. church, yeah. and that was was a big deal. But well, what, um, what, what are his books about then? Kind of what his preaching is. It's like uh, you just said a bunch of nothing. Oh wow! Okay, it kind of feel good stuff. <laughs> okay, that's Larry at <laughs> Fellowship. <laughs> but it is. It's it's not really anything deep theological. It's just kind of fluff stuff. And so I skimmed through. I know what's the one book he had. I was trying to think. Alan um, had it, and I can't think of it. Uh, crazy love was crazy I, love. Yeah. yeah, crazy love. That's, That's crazy, one. man. Yeah, and uh, he was. But as again, the, the I read excerpts from it, and I'm like, well, it's not really saying anything. It's so. But did you read it like you read the one book we gave you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's so. skilled. Right. <laughs> but so as far, but I will say, like, his idea of church did change, and it. it I would say for that part, it, I agree with him somewhat. Sure. For this view of church. Sure. So, so that's yeah. kind of who he is. So he is a charismatic, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing he, he, when I say charismatic, like I'm not talking necessarily like tongues talker, but he's a charismatic uh, preacher and that uh, he's, he's very engaging and he's not, he's not boring basically. And obviously with 5,000 people in his church, he became very popular and he wrote books. And so he had a voice out there. Now he's, he's gotten into some, like if you go to heresyhunters.com, and I don't even think that's exists, so don't go there. <laughs> Probably uh, does. You know, there's a, there's a bunch of um, heresy hunters out there that he's on a lot of their lists, you know. So Spencer Smith, yeah, I'm looking at you. And, um, you know, he says a lot about Francis Chan, and I think Wretched does too, yep. and yep. Uh, Todd Friel. Uh, is not a real big fan no, of, of this guy. So I don't really know his teachings, but I felt like we at least had to address that a little bit because I, I, I don't want to send people his way. Right. So it could be a sheep's and wolf. Uh, a, wolf a wolf in sheep's clothing. clothing. <laughs> it could be a sheep in wolf's clothing. <laughs> no, he could be a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. And so I don't want to send people there to, to get hold of his doctrines. Uh, but this, he has a very specific view of church. So that is specifically what we're going to be yeah. talking about today. Was his view of the ecclesia, uh, ecclesiology, as they would say. Right. So we're going to talk about that aspect. But as you go and search, you're going to find a lot of Francis Chan. And I know there's uh, there's a clip that I've saw that he basically was saying how we're gods. That's always bad and not a good. Yeah, right. Good. And, and he's he's got a couple of other questionable things that he has been around and people he's been around that... Uh, so you tread lightly when it goes to Francis Chan in that regard. But what are we going to be talking about today? I'm going to talk about his church model. His how, church model. You know, his model, his idea of how right. church should function. So it, it it's like. like I said, in 2010, he started... He went away. Now, he didn't just start house churches right away. I don't know. He went off to foreign lands or whatever. But now, wearechurch.com, I believe, is his website, right? Yeah. Wearechurch.com. It lays it out there. It's It seems fairly uh, simple, vague. Uh, there's no like statement of beliefs necessarily on there. I had to go to other, P, other websites to see what he taught because they went and visited and uh, what they actually do in their their meetings. So uh, I went there and checked out some of their things. 
you know, okay. and and it was it was fine. But uh, so what are some of those things? Well, I, I I don't have any notes in front of me. Yeah, so so you given, guys are gonna... given the idea that it's a house church, the first thing would be that they meet in a home. Yes, and, and I think that was <laughs> pretty straightforward. Yeah. As somebody was saying yeah, he had like four yeah. things that were pretty important, right? I don't know if we have those four things that he had. Um, yeah, like you're yeah. looking at me, I don't have the notes. <laughs> we do. Okay, right. Yeah. Okay. But we're just talking about his model, and the first thing of his model is they meet in a home. Right. They they meet right. in a home. I think that's obvious because of the house church model. Right. So they met in homes. Was that a requirement? I would think it was part of it. I mean, I don't know if he's going to say it's a requirement, but we'll get into that I mean, with from, the... From what I heard from him, it sounds like he thinks it's pretty important for believers to meet together in homes. Right. Well, which yeah. I would agree. Yeah. I mean, right. we're going we're gonna to agree with a lot of this, I can just tell you right now, because going through all the, the, the things that we saw, I'm like, yeah, we, we pretty much have been doing right. that, trying to do that for the last yeah. 20 years, yeah. 20... 23 years. Wow. Almost 24 years. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. We're like the OG yeah. of uh, house church here. <laughs> the second thing he had was that each church, which was the group that met in the home, um, had two pastors who weren't paid. Yes. No, I saw this was, um, I don't know if it had to be two or like they had more than two or if it, it had at like least two. two. But it also seems like his house churches are very small. Yes. Well, I, I would think, I would think so. Um, I think they have a total of 250 people. Right, over 17 churches, which averages right. 15 a church. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, yeah. So, so I can, we can relate. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how they came up with the two pastors. Well, I think the, and, and this is where it's hard to figure out the why, because mm-hmm. he doesn't have a, and probably because he doesn't want to start a, um, like a manual of right. this is how you do it's it. Denomination. But I do know yeah. that in in the in the Bible it teaches of multiple elders. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. in the multiple pastors and and we're going to use pastors as we you know as as a a term that the world would know. You yeah. Know, so pastors, but church leaders basically, right. and you have two elders, bishops, pastors, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. They want to have multiple instead of having one. I know that he was against the one pastor church model from the very beginning, and as am I. And uh, so they wanted to have multiple leaders in each house church. So I, that's I think I don't. That's why I was wondering if it had to be. Yeah, I mean. Because you would think it, it at least two, right? You know, right. it could be yeah. more, but he may have had some reason. He thought two was a good number. I don't know. Right, right. It, it's nowhere stated. It's just I'm guessing it's because of the multiple yeah. leader, and, and it's safe. You know, when you have one person in charge, it makes the call. And I know in modern churches, the institutional model it has a board they have to answer to, yeah. but it's still basically the one man's in charge, uh, unless he's but you're a big enough church and you have. Uh, you know, multiple right. people on staff. Or a big denomination. Right. That they appoint a pastor. And, right. right. So once you have the pastors, then what do you have? Um, so the other thing, the number three, the thing they would do, they would collect tithes and offerings. Uh, those were set aside specifically to be used for missions locally and abroad. So the tithes and offerings were set specifically for missions. Yeah, and the story that I heard uh, of the one person who went there and documented some of these things that were going on out of the 250 people, they raised $300,000 uh, for some organization or some mission that they were going to be doing. So he was amazed that 250 can 250 people can raise $300,000. And honestly, when I you know broke down the numbers, I'm like, well, if you're doing tithes and offerings, it's really not that 
amazing. The amazing part is it's not going to a building or right. to a pastor's salary. Yeah. Yeah. And so it can be used for whatever. But so yeah, they're, they're, now that, that's where we differ a little bit. We have never taken up right. an yeah. offering, um, I don't yeah. think. We've given money, and yeah. and in fact, just this past year, we I, the first time ever we've challenged our church group to give money to a particular purpose for a goal, right. and so um, and we've done that, and um, so yeah, so two hundred fifty people, so they do tithes and offerings and are collected, but it's not to build up a building and for right. a staff. Right. You think about it. I mean, you like the average church. I think it's somewhere around eighty percent of the. Highs or what the collections that are taken go to expenses. Oh yeah, and you think of and all mission boards are always complaining about not enough money and stuff. And I was like, well, yeah, because by the time they're done, there's not much left over to give you, to the you mission get board. 4%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, so. well, and, and we're, uh, we're bringing this up, but you remember this for later because there's going to be some objections uh, where people have objections to the model. But we're going to come back to that. Uh, so just remember that. Okay, what do we have next? So the number four thing in this model would be the actual Bible teaching where they would meet um, all, um, well, as they study, they're all studying the same daily Bible reading plan. Sure. They would come together, learn, uh, teach, and discuss the scriptures on Sunday under the oversights of the pastors. Yeah, that, that sounds like a, a fine thing. Um, we don't exactly do that, but I'm... I'm, I'm I'm fine with it, you know, if we said, hey, guys, we're going, kind of like what we do for Bible study. Yeah, and, and we have, I mean, we have at times done a uh, book study, uh, right. Bible, a book of the Bible yeah. study on Sunday as well. Sure. Um, but yeah, like we, for Bible study, uh, um, yeah, we're going through a particular book verse by verse. Right, and so we know, like this week, we're on John, John chapter 20. Right. And so in theory, we all have looked at John chapter 20, and so... I get what they're trying to do. I think what we do a little bit differently, it's the same concept, but what we do is whatever, especially the heads of homes, whatever, what's going on in your home, bring that. And so that particular week, maybe it is nothing, you know, maybe you you had a busy week or maybe you got into, you read an article, maybe you uh, were just reading Psalms like you were referring to later in the show <laughs> and uh, uh, we record out of order, um, <laughs> but you... Um, uh, and you just want to read a psalm, or you, you, we'll, we'll get into what we do that's a little bit different, but that, that's that's basically, uh, I'm fine with that. You know, like, hey, they're, they're teaching out of the Word of God. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, who's yeah, going to complain it, about that? What it does is, it, I mean, it encourages participation yes. and questions among the group. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's their goal, and it works. And it depends on how it works, but uh, I'd have to see it in practice. But we try to get that going somewhat, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't work. But uh, oh, wait, what's next? Fellowship. So, what's the fellowship look like? So, uh, for them, it took place during and after uh, the actual gatherings. So they would have a meal together. Um, also, the, uh, since they meet in community homes, they would the fellowships would extend beyond the Sunday because they're right. in close right. proximity and more of a community. Yeah, I don't understand these community homes. I was trying to figure out what exactly. I'm yeah, assuming, what does that mean? I'm assuming they kind of live like in a um, kind of like where uh, Andre lives. You know, where there's a, a few houses pretty uh, close together. Yeah, it might be so. 
I'm, I'm assuming. Or maybe um, it didn't really sound like or it. Or just in it's their community. Just in their community. Gated the, community. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just means they kind of live close to each other, so they interact proximity. during the week. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, which is unlike us. Uh, we have now. Larry lives close to us. Yeah. And actually, he lived in our backyard for a yeah, while. Right. Yeah. Real close. <laughs> really close. Um, most of the people that have come to our our group travel, and it, you know, Chuck travels at least an hour. Yep, hour. And um, at one point, Kenny, you know, did an hour. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Andersons come for at least an hour, maybe yeah. even a little mm-hmm. bit more yeah. at times. Yeah. So I shouldn't be saying everyone's name on air, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, so but it would be nice to have that community a little bit closer to where this can happen a little bit more often, but we try to do it as often as possible. And um, we are pretty much in each other's lives, maybe more so than a lot of churches uh, with their people. So anyway, okay, what's the next one? The next one is communion. (laughs) Number six, communion. Yeah. They say, we take the Lord's Supper in a reverent and biblical manner and keep the cross as central. Sounds good. You know, we we used to do this every week. We used to do communion. We don't do it as often. And because and I have mixed feelings about this, maybe we need to do a show on this, that we eat together. We, we, we have a meal together. And I believe that's the Lord's Supper. Right. And so we are participating in communion. But there are people who still like the bread and the juice and taking time to, and, and I do too, uh, we just don't think of it all the time, and right. every time we think about it, we don't have any grape juice. So, <laughs> uh, but no, that that we we used to do that every single week, and I think that is important that uh, you 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 have fellowship, you eat together. I think that is essential, mm-hmm. yeah. and to have communion. Now, well, like I said, I, I still think it's this, but I do think there's something special with the, the bread and the juice. And number seven, prayer. Wow. That's good. Yeah, they pray. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like, so when I first looked over this, uh, there is four things that we try to do for our home fellowships, at least that we've tried to convey to everyone and that we try to practice. And And I keep saying try because it's, it's so different than what we were raised on that it takes a while for us to get it sometimes. And we have to remind ourselves and all this. And But there are four things. Uh, it comes out of Acts chapter 2. Uh, verse 42, right? Yeah, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So we thought it was imperative that this was important for the church to gather and at least do the apostles' doctrine. So teaching. I, I right. don't know if we yeah. just limit it to Paul and James, and yeah. you know, but the Bible, teach right. the Bible. Yeah. Uh, the apostles' doctrine, the um, uh, fellowship, which fellowship is not just having coffee and donuts no. in the fellowship yeah. room. Fellowship is... Um, having something in common. Yeah, yeah. sharing your life and yeah. having something in common. So no, getting my picture before is two fellows in a ship. There you go. <laughs> two fellows in a ship and a canoe. Yeah. <laughs> and going the same way. Yeah, yeah. we're only together. We're yeah. rolling together. together. Yeah. And the breaking of bread. Now, breaking of bread, you can say, well, that's communion and... And whatever you want to say it is, it's eating together. Yeah. And yeah. I think the eating together is... it's part and parcel of fellowship. It's it, when you eat together with someone, especially in their culture, like in the, the Middle Eastern culture, the Jewish culture where the church started, it was like well, you were welcome, you were part of the family. It was a inviting like it, it was a big deal. Well, it's a it's a, a symbol of an intimate thing. Yes. Yeah. You're 
Yeah, if invited I'm inviting in, you in, into my house, that's right. why they wouldn't invite Gentiles into their house right. to eat. That would be, no, that's not good. They're, yeah. they're unclean dogs. But um, it's, for you to come to my house and eat was a very big thing. I know we don't see it that way anymore. But that's a very important part. So when we eat together, it is kind of amazing the things that come out right. as we talk. You get to know people a lot better. Well, I, if you think about it, like in a, if you're in a home church, like we have, we've had some new people come. It's a little kind of intimidating because you're going into somebody's house you don't really know. And now you're going to sit down at a table. It's not like you're sitting at in a cafeteria. Right. You yeah, know, you're, you're sitting in a kind of it's, an intimate it's, setting. Right, it's definitely yeah. more intimate whenever yeah. you're going into someone's home. Yeah. And so it's 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 kind of is sort of a big deal because it's like what if I embarrass myself? Yeah. It's not like you can hide, <laughs> you know. It's, but it's or, easier, let's just say it's easier to go to church right. and sit in a pew and and feel things out than to feel things out at someone's home. Yeah. You're, that is for sure. And the other thing is prayer. And I think that's that's obvious. Uh well, I shouldn't say it's obvious, um but I think every church everywhere at some point prays. But I think those were the four things that they point out in Acts, and that has been the things that not only do we meet in houses, I think that's important. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's exclusive to houses, and we'll talk about that in a second here. But I think those four things are what we try to accomplish, at least. you know. And we try to, the meetings, I know we can go to 1 Corinthians 14 and talk about the meetings and what that actually looks like. But in that process, I do think that in that in our meetings we can we can at least go four or five hours. Yeah. Now people are thinking, oh my goodness, <laughs> like four or five hours of church. And I'm like, well, yeah. see, that's your problem, your 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 idea of what church is. But those four or five hours, we're not praying the whole time. We're not that spiritual. Right. <laughs> you know? But during that four or five hours, we have had a meal together, we're talking, we're we're talking about different subjects. Sometimes they're spiritual, sometimes they're not. Right. You know, then we actually have a meeting where we actually sing some songs and share uh, some teachings. Then there's some more fellowship afterwards. Kids go out and play and uh, we talk some more and discuss some things and maybe we discuss some things that were just talked about. And uh, and then people go home. And and so in part of the uh, uh, church service, there's prayer, uh, singing, and uh, teaching and things like that. So there's a lot that gets covered in that four to five hour window. And uh, so it's not all boring. Yeah, right. <laughs> it sounds terrible. <laughs> but, wow. uh, so I think the, this question is a, is, a, is a big question. It's something that needs to be looked at and everybody needs to look at it from to determine is, is was the early church meeting in homes descriptive or Prescriptive. Yes, so that's a good question. So the the reason why we asked it because we we found some people that had some uh, they weren't caution. like yeah they weren't negative but they were just saying okay this sounds good but here's some caution. so they were wondering and these what, are very good questions. But what do you mean by that? Okay, so descriptive and prescriptive. So okay, now I'm I'm assuming you know. No, I don't. Um, oh, okay. Well, okay. Does, is the scripture describing what the early church did? Gotcha. Okay. Or is or, it prescribing uh, gotcha. what we okay. should what be we doing? Should yeah. Exactly. So okay. makes sense. Some I'm people, a little slow sometimes. Uh, well, I, it just shocked me because I thought we talked about this with uh, the Book of Acts. Uh, I thought you actually said this. Oh, well, I? like yeah. with the Holy Spirit, we say maybe that was descriptive of when the Holy Spirit was poured out. This is what they uh, did. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Rather than yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, but anyway, we got right. it. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> So is it actually so the book of Acts is a history book. So does that is that it's not a doctrinal book. So 
it just describes what they did, but does it prescribe what we should do? So that is a big debate. You know, a lot of people would say it's just describing what happens. It's not telling what we have to. Yeah. Well, here's the one thing I will say. That in the book of Acts and, and onward, the rest of the New Testament, you will not find one man in charge of a church in a church building with pews, everyone facing the front like a show, and you, you won't find that. No. no. You won't find that model anywhere. So at least this model is trying to go back to some kind of biblical roots, at least. So that's why I'm saying it's not necessary that it has to be in a home. Right. Could you do it in a warehouse? Yeah. Could yeah. you do it outside? Yeah. Could you do it at the park? Yeah. So I'm open to those. Can you do it in a park after dark? <laughs> <laughs> should you? Could you, would you? In a park. Could you, should you? <laughs> so, yes. Um, so Dr. Seuss can follow us. <laughs> but I, I'm open to where it can be. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the home, even though I think we can make a very good argument of why it should be in the home. Form follows function. Right. So if you have a theater-style church where you have a stage and everybody is seated around, you are designing it for a show. Right. That it's, is what it, you're doing. Yeah, because like you just said, it's if it, it's a theater style, what do you go to a theater for? Watch to a watch show. It. Yeah, to watch a show, a performance. You're not you're not there you're, to be part of it. Right. You're there to be entertained, yep. and and I'll, oh, I'm not going to well, whatever. But it's a house church model, and I think God wanted us to be in our homes because, for one, it shows us who we really are. You can kind of tell who people are in their homes. It's more intimate and it's family oriented, right. whereas the institution model takes kind of takes the family out of it. It's not. It's kind of cold. It's it's institutional, and and so the temple. That's what that was. It yeah. was a very institutional type thing that God gave them. But now that the Holy Spirit was opened up to everyone, and I think He was like, "Hey, let's be more." This is a family. And yeah. In fact, in our Bible study tonight, we're going to be talking about that. Where after the resurrection, Jesus actually says some interesting things, like, "I haven't gone to my Father, which is your Father." Yeah. You know, and 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 so now it's like we're part of this family of God. And where do families meet? And how? They eat at home. Oh, they yeah. do things at home. And so I'm not saying we can't do it at the warehouse, you know, right. or it, I, well, because you think about it, a building is just a means to right house somebody, protect you from the weather, or uh, just yeah, to facilitate having some a mass amount of people. But if you think about a home. How many people have a large house to... They don't. Yeah. Right. So it's going to be a small group. A by, small. by nature, it's going to be small. Right. right. Which is so, fine. Yeah. And, and, which I think is the New Testament model. But the, um, uh, the, but the place isn't as important as what goes on right. in it's, the yeah, place. So if you can still have a meal, you can still teach, you can still have interactive meetings, and you can still be involved in each other's lives, and you can still pray, and you can worship God, then Okay. Right. It, that that's fine. It, it doesn't even really matter where, mostly. But right. I, I, would, I would hope that homes are still the majority. Well, yeah. going back to descriptive or prescriptive, I, I think when you read the Book of Acts, especially, and uh, Corinthians, where Paul was basically chastising the church, trying to correct it. Right. He gave guidelines. They weren't 
they were just they were that they were they weren't necessarily specific, but they were guidelines. Sure, and that's the whole point. Is you there is some freedom. There is to do things a little bit different, but there's certain guidelines that is that are applicable to everybody. Well, and, and, and so the 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 prescriptive theory, well, the, the the idea of it being prescriptive, is that okay? It's in the Book of Acts, but it reiterates it in First Corinthians, where yeah. it talks about what goes on. In James, it actually talks about um, if a rich man comes in and you say, sit here at my footstool. Well, where do you have a footstool? So, obviously, they met at homes. And the pushback is, well, they had to meet in homes. They didn't have to meet in homes. In 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 um, uh, Jerusalem, they were under heavy persecution. So, okay, maybe there it had right. to be. But in Corinthians, in Corinth, they didn't have to. Ephesus, they didn't have to. Uh, we we don't have a record of them meeting in a building designated for worship until the Catholic Church comes right, on the scene, yeah. and, and they took over a pagan temple to do that. And so we don't have a record of that. The earliest church we know of was Peter's house, right? So it's in a we know that people met in homes. Yeah. You know, Nymphus met in, in in their house um, in the Book of Romans. So this was the pattern. So is yeah. it? Is it something that we should try to do? Is there grace? I, I think it could be both. I, I, yeah. I, there Could we meet in a building and because the church has gotten bigger, as long as you can keep the intimacy, I think it's yeah. fine. Right. And as long as it can be interactive and you don't have that one man ruling over everybody else, I think you, you as, it depends on your maturity of your group. Honestly, yeah. I mean, if you can have 50 families and you can still be uh, intimate with each other, it's going to be very difficult. Yeah, very hard. Very and plus, hard. it's going to be hard. I mean, well, it depends on the size of the families. That's true. But, <laughs> but even if you take a family and there's, you know, mom and dad and four kids and all 50, that ends up being... 200 people. That's a lot. That's a lot of people to fit in a house. Right. Well, that's when you that's when you do healthy division. Right. And you start to divide up. Well, and, I was going to, that was another thing I was going to bring up, talking about growing the church, is if you look at this model, you could actually grow tremendously in a short amount of time. Because if you have a group that's, to say, growing into 25, 30 people, if you find a couple young men, train them, and they take you know, go to this, to the west side of town, somebody right. to the north side or something, and they start the same thing, pretty soon you you covered a whole lot of area. Now, here, here's and, the problem with that. So, Francis Chan, we were talking about his model, right? Mm-hmm. He had 5,000 people right. following him. Right. And so, he had a big head start than, say, what we did. Right, yeah. Trying to con- so, this is the hard part. Um is that today in America, it's hard to grow these churches that way. Yeah, it Because is. it's so different than what we're used to. So, yeah. Curiosity, since I don't know that, what did he actually do? So he left the mega church. So what happened at that point? The, the folks that were following him. Like the church itself? Well, the people. So did, they, did he actually, did some of them come and they split up into... Uh, a lot of different small groups, or well, I don't think at that point I, this was where it kind of got vague. I'm not sure okay. exactly if he immediately went to the house church model thing. I know that he he promoted it, 
But I thought he went overseas for he a did. while. Yeah. Right. Was, yeah. So I don't know. Somebody else took over his church. Right. Uh, probably. Right. Yeah. yeah. So he probably didn't. Whenever he decided on the house church model, he probably didn't have a lot of followers. No, not right no. away. Yeah. But then once he came back and said, "I'm like I said, he's there, there's 250 people right now, part of We Are Church." So even someone very popular. And someone who writes books about these things yeah. and is on YouTube and it, it can only have like 250 people right now. So it's not, it's not easy because no. it's very relational. And when it's relational, you get on each other's nerves. Right. And <laughs> people are like, I'm out of here. I didn't get what I wanted. And we're still maturing in the faith. And some people just haven't matured all the way. And uh, most people haven't matured all the way. I mean, you look at (laughs) Baptist churches are a good example of that. You got your first Baptist church. I I think it's, uh, where did I see this at? It's here locally. I think it's in um, Baker or maybe Ethel up there. They have a second Baptist church. <laughs> it's not even big enough to have a first. I know. <laughs> so, it, oh my. Uh, like, that's the first time I've seen that. I'm like, well, we know what happened. Yes, so. we do. Yeah. Yep. They, they had a church split. It's kind of like that guy that was stranded on the island. Uh, yeah, that's right. And uh, they finally rescued him after many years, and he had three buildings. And he said, well, that's my house, and that's my church. And they're like, well, what's the other building? He's like, well, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> that's and, right. Uh, but anyway. The, well, it's uh, easy. That, well, to your point, that's... It's easy when you have an institution like that where you get offended or you're like, well, I don't like what he said, and you can just go somewhere else. Right. It's a little, you can still do that in a house church, but it's, there's that personal connection that makes it harder to just cut people off and say, uh, well, people still do. They do, but it's like, it, it just, it hurts a little more. It does. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And, and we've tried to, we've seen people leave. And for the most part, I think most of the people that have left, we've still had relationships with and on some kind of level. And because it's not supposed to be uh, in a, it's not supposed to end badly. Right. And if you don't, if you want to be doing something else, that's fine. You know, go do it. Um, uh, We've had uh, two breakups, blow ups, and, uh, in our, in our history, almost 25 years. That's, that's pretty and good. And one was really bad. But um, but anyway, so that that's the... Um, um, I even forget where we're headed. Oh, that's that's what... that's It's hard. So the best thing to do is just to get people saved and to just bring them in. But even them, they have an idea of what church is. Right. And it's just hard for people to get out of that mentality of going to a place and worshiping. And instead of saying, hey... Your life is a life of worship, and let's share it together. And it's very intimidating. Honestly, it can be difficult. I understand why people can't do it, yeah. and I don't necessarily judge them. I can see how it is. it might be easier for a season to just go to a church, because it can be... Tough. You, your kids start acting up, and people start looking at you, and be like, "What are you gonna do?" Yeah, and they're like, man. Uh, so I give credit for the Thorntons sticking it out. And, so uh, I, I can't see the time. So I don't know how much time we have left, but I think we had mentioned earlier that there were some people, there were some uh, folks that had uh, at least questions about the model, or questions, uh, or maybe some concerns. Uh, concerns. You right. want to discuss that? Well, that was the the big concern was. Um, uh, the one we just talked about. Um, what was that? Relationship or leaving or... No, uh, I forget where it was. You just keep looking at me. You have the notes. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, descriptive or prescriptive. Oh, that was like, that was the big thing of like, 
Francis Chan makes this seem like this is the way. Oh. And so we want to be cautious because anytime you say this is the way. This is the way. Yes, you end up in a Mandalorian show. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, no, you 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 want to be careful of saying everyone has to do this. My only problem with some of the, the pushback was, like, your model is garbage. Like, there's just no well, history, yeah, you, foundation yeah, for it. Well, so there what is, you have that it, is... And I get what they're saying, that you can create cult-like following and, and and I get that. I, I really do. Or like that hasn't happened in the it does, right. <laughs> yeah. everywhere well, else. And some people don't like that. Um, some people that house church will say that our model is more biblical. Right. And some people kind of took offense to that. They're like, how can you say that your model is more biblical? But to me, what I do, I see in scripture. Right. And what I see in the big institutional church, I don't it's see in scripture. There. So I'm like, it doesn't make me a better Christian. Right. But I will say what I'm doing is based out of the Bible, whereas what they're doing Right, oh, and so. just be honest with yourself on that. You know, it doesn't have to be. I mean, you if you want to meet, and like we've said before, we we have we put on camps, and in our camps we don't do a house church meeting. No, right. We we do a presentation. We have worship from the front, and we have a preacher. And I don't think that's wrong to have that. No, but to have that every single week. It's just not called church, you know. Exactly. It's not. It's not what the, the the believers came together to do was to have a TED talk and a concert. You right. know, they just they didn't do that. So it's not saying we can't do that at times and get together Actually, and, and have enough, different I've had things. I've had this conversation with my son-in-law before that I, they have a group that is more um, like a house church model than it would be a traditional church model, but sure. yet the group size keeps continues to grow. Yeah. And it's like uh, what point what point do you do you have to do something different? And that's always a question. Yeah. It's just like how do you keep it you know, people want to be together, but at the same time you don't want to lose the relationship. So that's a, that's, that's a scary point too, because you're like you're afraid it's just gonna fall apart. Mm-hmm. And you feel like as when it gets so big then we have to institutionalize it almost, you know, and it's like, well, well, no, you can, you can divide. And in fact, we almost did that peacefully once. And the idea was to have quarterly meetings right, or yeah. something like that, yeah, or bigger that gatherings. And, and so there's ways to do this to where we could still see each other, you right. know, Hey, I liked, I like Jim over there, you know, or Bob, you know, why, why do I have to go over here now? Uh, you could still hang out throughout the week. You know, right. The, yeah. We- <laughs> Well, just because you meet at a different house doesn't mean you can't meet during the week. Right. Some, you know, right. Yeah. So, I mean, that was that was the main pushback was just like, it sounds good on paper. Just be very careful that it doesn't become cult-like or that it, you must do it this way. And I'm like, well, okay. And, and, and the other point was to romanticize the first century, which I totally understand, is that everyone says they want to go to the first century church and do what the first century church is. Well, to be honest, the first century church was messed up. <laughs> they had some problems. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Paul, that's what Paul was correcting the whole time yeah. because they, they weren't doing it correctly. But I understand what they're trying to say because that's how Paul established it and was saying this is what church looks like. Go look at 1 Corinthians 14. You know, Go look at Acts yeah. chapter 2 where what, what things were being done amongst the body of Christ and look where they met. Is there something there? We should probably look at that and be like, yeah. well, if, if they met in homes, maybe we should or keep smaller groups. Why yeah. do we keep getting these big mega, mega churches? And I think that's where the house church movement and where Francis Tan- Chan really thought 
something's off. Yeah. Is that if, if churches were just like these good old country churches, and I'm not saying they're perfect, but, you know, they're, they're like 100 people. You know, and they've known each other forever. Yeah. And if churches were like that, I don't think there would ever be a movement for house churches. But we saw the advent of mega churches, and people are just like, "What are we doing? We're right. just missing yeah. out on the intimacy with with people. Yep. We're just going to a place to sing some songs, which might feel good, and then hear a message, and that's it. Be entertained, right? Yeah, even with even with the larger church." They, I think they even see the issue there because you see them have the idea to have cell groups yep. for small yeah. groups. Yeah, they have. They, they. That's where they were like, "Hey, we've got to change because we're getting too big. We're losing that." And so they started these right. cell groups, which started around uh, early '90s yeah. and yep. uh, became a big popular thing because it's necessary. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a nice little thing to have in your church. But that's, yeah, I remember. Late nineties and early two thousands, somewhere in there. Um, they're studying. I can't remember who did it. Following God. Anybody remember that one? Yes. Okay. So that was one of the things that I remember going through that, and it actually did that. It brought you into a group, a much closer group, where sure. you got to know somebody. Yeah. You know, on a much more personal level. So, um, not a bad thing for small group, but um, yeah, the house church model seems to. Like you say, fit much better with what happened in Scripture. Well, and you you get to know people on a way better level, and so I know how to minister better to people. And it's not I'm I'm not trying to control everyone. Uh, everyone, trust me, everyone has their own belief systems and things like that. But in an institutional church, it's like it's you believe the way we believe, or you might as well go to the Methodist church down the road, or yeah. you might as well go to the Baptist church down the Take road. Your pick. Or, right. Yeah. Don't come here if you're going to disagree. And that's the beauty of a home fellowship is it, it lets the people explore their relationship with God. Like I'm, I'm in the middle of you know, this particular doctrine that I'm considering. And I can help with that or be like, hey, this is dangerous. Right. You can, you have that, as I say, freedom, it, partly to to bring forth an idea that you might be struggling with, like a, a particular doctrine or something. And, right. Without being shouted down. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. And you can, in a group, you can discuss that and say, okay, I never thought about that. Or have you thought about this aspect of it? You can de- in a friendly way, have that debate, and yeah. then your faith is going to grow. Right, you're gonna, you, I mean, whenever you're in that, whenever you're with each other on a on an intimate basis like that, you build up the trust. Where, right, you know, everybody can share and be able to communicate, yeah. and nobody gets like, "What? Who are you?" Or <laughs> if, the, if somebody's speaking, like in our group, sometimes somebody says something, you're like, "Well, wait a minute," you know, or you can ask a question yep. whether, yeah, right. which very, doing, frustrated doing, me very early on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trust but, me, it was that transition when I was a young man and uh, coming out of Bible college and being used to I'm the preacher yeah. and Presenting. people challenging me I'm like guys just listen to what I'm saying give me and, a minute here <laughs> but I've gotten used to it and I'm, I'm still perturbed when people interrupt me no I'm just kidding wow. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's fine but it's, it's we had that happen not too long ago where someone just stopped the service and basically said had a question does God I forget what the question was but does God really love us yeah you know how do we know that and and I think it was a sincere question, and they were struggling and going through some stuff, 
and they needed to hear what the Bible said. Yeah. Yeah. And that does not happen in a church. They don't, they, maybe afterward during the altar time, maybe, yeah. mm. you know, maybe, or you need to set a, you know, uh, appointment with the, the, t- the pastor on a Wednesday uh, or a Thursday or whatever. And, um, uh, for a counseling session or something like right. that. Yep. But anyway, that, that was basically the, 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 some of the pushback was mainly the prescriptive descriptive and don't make it the model. But right. I pushed back the other way saying, show me a better model. I mean, th- there's a reason why this model seems to work better and is in the Bible and they did this. So if they did it, I want to consider it. Doesn't always make it right just because they did something, you know, so that is fair question to ask, but, um, well, when you look at the purpose of the church, which we've had previous episode about, but it's impossible to do that when you have hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people, you can't do that. It's It's totally against what God designed the church to be. So, I mean, I appreciate, I mean, reading and listening to Francis Chan's idea of what church was, it, it was kind of refreshing to hear, here's this guy who's a mega church pastor yeah, yeah. and felt convicted, like, this is not this is not what's in the Bible. This right. is not, you know, I don't think these people are really loving God and they're surely not loving each other. And so, right. I mean, he may, I don't know about <laughs> heresy or whatever, like, right. I don't know about all of his teaching, but as far as, you know, his model of church, I think it's way more what God would want us to do. No, it's it's ex- you're right, right. I was just looking. You had like a note. Um, your today's church model comes from poor biblical knowledge and thinking that we need to build God's kingdom, hence replacement theology. Well, that's true. They, where we're, today's church comes from is the Catholic Church. Yeah, that's where it comes from. The, the when when Constantine, yeah, our famous Constantine, yeah. uh, when he took over. Yep, there you thank go. you. That's Constantine. <laughs> You know, he he Christianized everything and made it legal. Well, then there's a little bit more of a, a fresh of breath air, like, oh, we can... It wasn't too long after that that they started a priest system yep. and a building system, basically. They took over some of the, the other buildings, and it started the Catholic Church, which was a model after the priesthood of the Jews, because they thought they replaced the Jews. Right. Yeah. And so, they have to be, have their priesthood, which takes special training. Uh, you go to special places to train these people to, to administer the stuff for, for God's people, you know, whether it's the word, whether it's the Eucharist and the Catholics yeah. can, uh, uh, example here. But now we've, Christians, we had a reformation, right? Well, we kept the same model. Right. Yeah. No. We have special places where we train people that you won't find in the Bible. No. You know, discipleship comes from being with someone and listening to them and living with them. And that's what Paul did. And uh, so all these models, is the Bible our source or do we just come up with it? Is there freedom? Yes, there is freedom. Yeah. But we have to be careful with our freedom and that it comes from somewhere. And just realizing that it's... Is there is it defeating the purpose of what God really wants for His church? Yeah. And I think that is the the big big key. Yeah. Well, like a kingdom is an institution, whereas the church is a body. It's should it's, be. It's a family. Yeah. And that's a big difference. Big difference. So, so yeah. Hey, and before we get off, oh, though, before we get off, you know that we do need to say something about our announcement. Oh, that. oh, yeah. I know we don't usually talk about our lives, but I mean, come on. Look, look closely at the camera and look yeah. at Sarah and I. 
Yeah, we don't look like grandparents. Yeah, but you do today. But we are you today. Are. Chuck and I actually both yeah. uh, share a granddaughter, right. and um, her name, uh, with Jasmine. Jasmine. Jazzy. And, uh, Are you going to call her Jazzy? Yeah, well, if Abby says she's going to call her Jazzy, yeah, right. I'm like, I feel okay calling her Jazzy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she's currently in the hospital right now. But okay. uh, by the time this airs, She'll she be should home. be back yeah. home. Yes. Right. She should be home, and uh, they should be home. And uh, so, yeah, we are grandparents for the first time. You guys are about to be grandparents for the first time. That's as right. As you guys said on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, so, accidentally. Yes. Twice. <laughs> we have two grandchildren. I don't know if boys or girls coming. You have two children that are having children. That's right. Yeah. In August. Yeah. August, September, somewhere around there. Yep. So. Yeah. Yep. And I'm a grandparent for the seventh time. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> Chuck's the OG. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. He blazed the trail. But of all of us on the show, who looks like they've been a grandparent for a while? Hey, hey wait oh, a minute. Wow. Wait, um, why, are you assuming? <laughs> why are you assuming? <laughs> I know where you were going with that. Uh, right. It is true, though. I well, can't deny it. We were it. out to eat, and someone thought <laughs> yeah. you were my dad. <laughs> Just saying. So, all right. Well, let's, get, let's head on to the next segment The Mike Charleston Show. History with Larry. All right, Larry. All right. I think this is take two. Yeah, after a little technical difficulties. Yeah, a little bit. That's what happens with technology. What are you doing? No, it's like, Joshua, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) All right, today's story is just telling you a little bit about it. It's kind of a funny story. Okay. Now, if you've ever seen the movie... Monty Python, the Holy Grail. I have not. <laughs> well, some of you have who've seen it will get this reference, but you know, so I titled this. Oh, it's just a little rabbit. Oh, uh, it's just a little rabbit. Yeah. So um, if you've seen the movie, if you're a heathen like me and you've seen it, then you'll understand the reference. But is it it'll like be funny. Tis but a scratch. Kind Flesh of. Wound? It's supposed to be this monstrous creature that just attacks men and just tears them apart and. And it comes out, and it's just a little white rabbit. But Aww. when they go there, the rabbit attacks them, and it's just—it's a kind of a funny scene. But okay. Anyway, I guess you have to see it. You'd have to see it. <laughs> yeah. But the story is related, and you're going to see how. <laughs> and, uh, Attacking rabbits. This is a story with a moral to it as well. Oh. Mm. So you've heard of the Battle of Waterloo, right? Sure. With Napoleon. Yeah. Kind of his uh, downfall, uh, if you yeah, will say. Sure. But what a lot of people don't know is eight years prior, he had a battle in which he had to retreat as well. Oh. Yeah. It's not really talked about much, mostly because of its embarrassing nature <laughs> for Napoleon and his top military officers. Well, usually if you have to retreat, it is embarrassing. It's an embarrassing. But this one is especially embarrassing because, because they're fighting rabbits. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> What? <laughs> they do multiply quickly. Well, this battle took place, in battle, if you will, I use that term loosely, in July of 1807. Napoleon, they just signed a treaty with the Imperial Russian Empire okay, because they were fighting and all that, but they signed a treaty. And to celebrate, the chief of staff for Napoleon organized a luncheon and a rabbit hunt. Uh-huh. Nothing could go wrong with this one. Exactly. So they <laughs> invited all the top military brass and his elaborate luncheons and they were then after the lunch they're going to do the rabbit hunt were the russians with them no just napoleon and his anyway so they they had to get a bunch of rabbits so he got 
one story, it was as much as 3,000 rabbits. 3,000 rabbits? So that's a lot of rabbits. Sure. (laughs) And the cages, they lined them up along the edges of the grassy field. And the plan was, so when they're ready to start, they'd open the cages and then they'd off for the hunt. (laughs) And um, everything's going according to plan. Oh, yes. And uh, they... When you do the rabbit hunt, usually sometimes they'll use dogs to kind of flush the rabbits out sure. of the bushes and Why then not? get them running. If you don't use dogs, you need what they call beaters. Somebody who makes, you know, guys that walk. Yeah. yeah. Slap sticks, makes noise, get the rabbit, flush them out and get them running. You got to use humor? Yeah. <laughs> Slapstick? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, picture this, you know, Napoleon, all his top officers, you know, all these sophisticated people, they're all lined up. They got their gun bearers and the beaters. They open the cages, release the rabbits. Release the rabbit. And the hunt is on. Oh, boy. Except this is for exciting. something strange and unexpected happened. The rabbits, instead of running away, they ran at their hunters. And oh. so now the hunters became the hunted. Oh, boy. <laughs> it got so bad that... They, Napoleon actually retreated to his carriage and the rabbits were jumping into the carriage. And at first they thought, when it first happened, they thought this was a joke or right. it was just kind of funny. But all of a sudden, could you imagine 3,000 rabbits coming That's a lot at of you? rabbits. It's a lot of rabbits. And they ended up, he had to retreat and drive off on the carriage. So the rabbits won. The rabbits won. <laughs> yeah. Just flooded them with rabbits. <laughs> yeah. So... All right, you might be thinking, well, maybe the rabbits were rabid uh, or maybe possessed from some kind of devil. I think Napoleon and his men probably thought so, too, but probably that wasn't the case. No. As I said, this had a moral to the story. So sometimes um, when you try to impress somebody and you, do the, and you think you got it all handled oh, yeah. and it goes... Not the way way you plan. (laughs) It doesn't turn out so well. This is one of those things. Yes. So in order to get that many rabbits, if you were to try to trap wild rabbits and stuff, it takes a long time. And then you got to house them and all that. So the chief of staff decided, well, why go and try to catch wild rabbits when we can go to farms where they raise them and get farm-raised rabbits? And that's what he did. Because it's easier sure. and you yeah. can get yeah. the job done faster. Yeah. The problem with that was <laughs> the rabbits were used to people. And they ran to the people. And they because and they got food. Oh, wow. Right. Because they were thinking they didn't feed the rabbits the night before. And because so, why feed them? They're gonna die. And so when yeah, and so when they opened the cages, the rabbits saw the people and thought, "Oh, those are the farmers bringing us food. Yeah, Let's food. run to them." Well, <laughs> I, we kind of know what this is like when we go out to our backyard to feed our chickens. They all run at us. Now they they stop and eat, but could you imagine if there was like three thousand chickens coming your way right? or something? It would be kind of. Uh, Intimidating if yes. you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and rabbits jumping up at you, ready to get some food, and yeah, so that's uh, what happened. So the moral of the story is, if you want to impress somebody, you might want to do your research first. <laughs> do your research. <laughs> but this is the yeah. uh, battle that Napoleon retreated from before the Waterloo. Maybe that was a sign he should have uh, taken wow. a Baby heart. Steps. But, well, yeah. here's a little known fact that at the Battle of Waterloo, 
they released a lot of rabbits. And uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe that was what, what happened. happened. He had yes. a flashback. And <laughs> oh no, they're coming again! But I thought I came across that story, and I thought that can't be true. And I did some other research, and there was quite a bit of information on it, and it was true that they wow. they ended up just they laughed about it later. But at first, it was quite overwhelming, and uh, yeah, they didn't know what to do, and. So, yeah. so what happened? Did they ever collect the rabbits, or did they just end up in the field? I don't know. Maybe right. they end up in New Zealand. But that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> New Zealand. So uh, that is great. Think the, uh, 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 I think Napoleon uh, would change his uh, peace treaty meal preparation. Yeah. Or it wasn't a meal. It was a an, an event, event to celebrate their treaty. Yeah, yeah. maybe he should uh, celebrate in a different way. Yeah, he blows something up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they should have done do that. what the founding fathers did and do fireworks. That's right. So. Instead of hunt rabbits. Then. That's right. <laughs> but I just thought that was a funny story because here you got this military general that was extremely f- uh, brilliant when oh, it yeah. comes to strategy, yeah. being defeated by rabbits. Rabbits. <laughs> oh, it's just a little rabbit. Just a little rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> I think people would appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Anyway. The Mike Charleston Show. Music with Sarah. What song do you like? All right, babe. We are here's your song of the week. So, what do we have this week? This is an old one. It is an old one. Oh, that's right. I, I still don't even know. I was trying to guess it earlier, and we we got distracted. Well, so. The, Elizabeth and Lydia and I have been going through Psalms. Well, I mean, we're reading through the Bible, but we're reading Psalms on our own instead of reading that together. Oh, so like that Psalms is separate from the Bible? Yeah, just okay. because we don't always, we can't always read You're all reading together. the Bible in 90 days. Yes. So, that's, right. so Psalms is separate from So that. I've been reading a lot of Psalms. And there's a lot of songs. And there are a lot of songs. There was actually somebody who came to me, um, the Shoops, and they said that they were going to... As they're reading through Psalms, they're going to write down every song that they come to in okay, the book of sure. Psalms. So I'm waiting for them to get back with me on that. I, that was years ago. No, it was at Ab- Abigail's wedding. Oh, so, okay. Um, anyway, but as you're reading through the Psalms, you do come across a lot of songs. Yes. Which Paul tells us to sing Psalms, Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So this right. is a psalm that you can sing, and it's called, Oh God, You Are My God. By, okay. It's actually by Lenny LeBlanc, which I feel like... I already did a song by him, and I never would have thought of him as like one of my favorite sure. singers or songwriters. Well, he's but anyway, from years ago. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not, supposing he's still alive. I think so. Right. One of the kids asked me, "I'm like, I don't know." But um, anyway, it's actually on an album called um, "Pure Heart." Oh by, wow, that's the original. By Integr- Hosanna Integrity, Integrity cover. Yes. Uh, if you're old like us and you know Hosanna Integrity, good for you. You get two points. Well, and it it does sound like it's from, I guess, the 80s or whatever. Sure, but, because it is. <laughs> but, it is. but it's a great song, and so you can't just pass it because it sounds old. Like, I know a lot of people are like, yeah, that's old, but nobody's, as far as I could tell on Spotify at least, nobody's redone it. So wow. it's okay. the only version. And um, so anyway, but it's a great song. It's really, it's taken from Psalm 63. Okay, sure. And um, it actually it says, oh God, you are my God, and I will seek thee earnestly, which in King James actually says early. And I looked and some of the modern versions change it to earnestly, but either way, like I like to seek him early because I'm a morning person. Yes, you are. I like to get up early, but we also should seek him earnestly. So either way, I'm like it's a win-win situation. It's win-win. So, um, but it it um, goes to my soul yearns for thee, my flesh yearns for thee in a dry and weary land where there's no water. Yeah, that's 
That that the Psalm what sixty. 63. Three, right. Mm-hmm. right okay, because I remember in Bible college, we got into this huge discussion, and, uh, and not to get theological wow, here. I didn't mean to bring up a big debate. I know, but a friend of mine, he was just going off and ranting like friends of mine do, and, and like I do, and uh, we were getting, talking about our flesh. Hmm. And he's like, there's nothing good in my flesh. And well, I'm not going to argue. No one was like, oh, no, wait a minute. There's something good in my flesh. But there's like nothing in my flesh seeks God or yearns for God. Mm. And I'm like, well, time out, Mr. Calvinist. No, he wasn't a Calvinist. (laughs) But I'm like, what are you talking about? In Psalm 63, it says that my soul yearns for thee and my flesh yearns for thee. Mm. Now, you tell me what that means. So, Well, maybe his doesn't. Well, maybe not, you know. But that was like a a moment where we like, we just say things sometimes, but the Bible actually, you know, when he says my flesh yearns for thee, I'm going to have to take him at his word. Yeah, it reminds me of as the deer panteth after the water, you know, which is a different psalm. It is. But, um, and then it says, um, thus I have beheld thee in the sanctuary to see thy power and thy glory, which... You you skipped in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Okay, yeah. Um, But... Him saying, I beheld thee in the sanctuary to see thy power and thy glory makes me think of, as we're reading through the Old Testament, the sanctuary and the tabernacle, and and they really did behold the power and glory of God when he came down in the... um, Shekinah glory. Right. So anyway, um, and then the chorus says, so I will bless thee as long as I live. I will lift up my hands to thy name and in the shadow of thy wings, I sing for joy. So I will bless thee. So. Yep. Anyway, okay. Um, anyway, but it's a great song, and that's that's it, and it just repeats. It's a simple song, and, and it's right off. The, is that the whole song? No, it's not. Right. Okay. It's just pieces of the song. There's actually some other songs well, because, in that song. I was going to say because just reading that, I already have like three or four other songs right. that, uh, from some of those lyrics right there. But the uh, but yeah, that that's uh, you, you should check it out. It's pure in heart is the album. Nah, uh, pure heart. Pure Heart right. is the album, and Lenny LeBlanc, and the name of the song is Oh God, You Are My God. And you say that the only thing that you can find is on Spotify? Um, this is the only version that the I only found version, on Spotify. Right. Interesting. There's no new version. So well, I mean, And I'm okay with old songs, but I wouldn't mind Not even somebody... on YouTube you couldn't find it? Um, this is what's on YouTube also. It's just this version. Right, but it's so. it, you can get it on YouTube. Yes, you can right. get it on YouTube. So check it out on Spotify or YouTube. Yeah. This is Oh God, You Are My God. The Mike Charleston Show. Marriage. All right, babe. This is not really a marriage segment this week. This is kind of a family segment, but it involves marriage in some ways because we may disagree. Yeah, well, and when you're married, you often end up with children, so it becomes a marriage thing. Well, when so. you get when in pre-marriage counseling, the big five things that I say that you need to agree on is religion, right? That's a good one. Your in-laws, how how close you should be to them, how how, how far you should live with your uh, each other's parents. Um, help me out, money. Mm-hmm. And what's some other ones there? I, I'm I'm just forgetting off the top of yeah, my head. I know. But one of them is children, and and right. children is a very important one. That you know, how many children do we have? Do we agree on it? How do we raise them? How do we discipline them? Yep. And so that's a big, big one. And we got an email from Isaac. And so why don't you go ahead and read the email? Okay. He says, hi, show. 
Could y'all discuss the difference between discipline, training, punishment, and spanking, and how they relate to each other? You didn't go like this. Oh, I'm sorry. Each of those words was in quotes. Okay. So discipline, training, punishment, and spanking. Okay. So each one of the... We could spend the whole show. I tend to want to uh, avoid this issue as much as possible because I don't want to put a target on my back and I don't want to get banned. So Okay. Well, I do think... I mean, the first two... Discipline and training seem to go hand in hand. When I think of discipline, I think of like basically teaching how to be disciplined, how to um, you teach them a discipline. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, well, I think most about, people don't think that. Oh. Most people think of discipline is I got in trouble. And uh, I'm well, about to get and I mean, here. it can be that, but I guess in a, well, especially training. But that I is what say. discipline means. When you look up the definition, it is a discipline that I have trained myself in, in doing something. Right. And so to me, discipline and training are very similar. Now, what does that look like? Well, I mean, discipline, you think you teach your kids, all right, we're going to wake up at a certain time, yep. we're going to make our beds, we're going to you know, sit at the table like this, we're not going to slouch, we're going to, you know, so it's teaching them the disciplines of life and right. how we're going to act, which is also training, where, I, right. where we actually are just telling them how to do things. I'm not, you know, it doesn't involve spanking and right. punishment and all that. It's just like, okay, no, when we're done eating, we're going to say, may I please be excused? And right. so I train them to do that. Well, and a lot of people, so, okay... Right off the bat, we are jumped into controversy here, if you say the spanking word, right? So I know everybody, like all the comedians are like, when I was a kid, I got spanked. And and they're like now 22. So I'm like, well, okay. So people still spank. Yeah. And I'm not going to, we did spank, but we're going to clarify what our spankings were because our spankings were more of punishments. And so, or as people would call them, corners, or you, you come up with your own name because spanking is has a terrible uh, connotation, and it, it can be bad because it is um, if people if you do it wrong, and I'm, I'm sure we did for a while. Um, if you do it wrong, uh, it's bad. It can be really bad. Uh, but if you do it right, it's it's I think it's good and proper. And yeah. so the discipline is m- the more important thing, the training and discipline. So I know like, I'll give one example from our kid's childhood. I'll, I'll, I'll embarrass Rebecca. And uh, she was a cute little kid. She was very compliant, still is somewhat. And uh, she just decided to get down from the table without clearing her table or clearing her plate. Yeah. That wasn't a rule. We had, you got down, you put your plate up and you threw away your food. You were supposed to eat your food, put your plate up and you had to be asked to be excused to get down. And that was our disciplines, right? Right. And uh, so she, she asked to be excused to get down, but she didn't take her plate and she just left it on Mm -hmm. the plate, uh, on the table. And I was like, Rebecca. Now at this point, a lot of parents were like, oh, she disobeyed and we got to spank her. And I'm like, well, no, you train her. So what we did was, and it was kind of a funny thing, but we sat her back up. Nope, go take your plate, go put it back on the table, go sit down, ask to be excused. Mm-hmm. We did that 10 times. She got down and, you know, by the time she was, she was just laughing, but so were we. But at, at, she'd never forgot. <laughs> she always did what she was supposed to do in that regard after that. And there was no need for... Uh, a training session. Well, that was a training session. There was no need for spankings or punishment, right. you know, in, in that regard. So training is very purposeful mm-hmm. and is uh, you, we've even set up different scenarios to, to train our kids. And I know other families have done similar things to where they create a scenario to, to train 
uh, in certain things. And, and training is is meant to be fun sure. and should be. And it's instead of waiting for something to happen, we create the scenario, like right. you say. So we make something happen that we know is an issue and so that we can both be there and ready to deal with it properly and to teach them the right way to right. handle right. a situation. And, and to restart and to try again and, and, and do it in love and joy. Now, spanking, Now we, we tried, I don't want to say we always did this, but we tried to reserve spanking for punishment. Yeah. And people are like, oh, what are you talking about? That sounds harsh. Well, let me explain that if this was a criminal act, act, you know, so a criminal act as in you could be punishable by law and go to right. jail and, uh, you know, maybe not go to jail because, you know, whatever. But if right. it was like an assault, you yeah. know, or you stole something, even stealing something, we weren't always, uh, have, gave a punishment. Right. But, you know, something that was criminal, uh, that was violent especially a violent criminal, you know, a, a violent thing, then we would spank. And we wouldn't necessarily, you know, take them away. We would, we would be swift and, and do it right there mm-hmm. and not do it in anger and, and, and tell them why, you know, that is, that is wrong. Um, and that saved us from a lot of spankings. We, we didn't have to spank a lot. In fact, the older kids thought that we let the younger ones get away with stuff, but it was... You know what we were we were maturing in our parenting, and well, they were probably just better. The, uh, <laughs> so, but the uh, but no, I mean I, I don't remember. Uh, we, we've asked the kids, you know, we remember the last time you ever got spanked. They don't, you know. So we just didn't have to spank. And if you're threatening to spank a teenager, mm-hmm. I think you have failed. Right. You have, you know the spankings and stuff are not for a teenager. At that point, you might want to hold, uh, hand them over to the law, you know, or you know, take away something that is a little bit more precious to them, like right. say a vehicle or a phone or right. something like that. Yeah, uh, nor a spanking for a baby. No, or exactly. A toddler. They don't need punishment at that point. They need training. Like I said, if puni- if you reserve punishment for a crime, right. no baby has right. ever committed a crime, no. so. Give me a break, you know. You'll, you'll know, like when we started training, you know, one, two-year-olds, we would just give them a little flick on the hand, you know, the back of the hand or on the back of the leg with a little flick just to get their attention and just say right. no, no, no. Almost like what you do with a dog, you don't, except I don't flick them necessarily. But you just got to re- repeat, repeat, right. repeat until they get it. And the problem is we don't like to repeat and repeat and repeat, so we resort to violence. <laughs> That's like yeah. that's easy. We just tell them to shut up and hit them, and then we like we think that's going to cure any, everything. But in fact, it's the repeating process of over and over. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Now you can tell if they're just doing things out of rebellion, yeah. and that is a punishment thing. Where okay, you're you're doing something out of rebellion. Uh, rebellion and criminal activity was not acceptable, yeah. and uh, so we, we want to differentiate that. But training and discipline is actually the more important thing. But in in saying that, uh, we have to make sure that it's done in joy. Mm-hmm. You, if if you're doing this and as a drill sergeant, they're going to despise you. They're, right. they're not going to learn to love you, but you can do this with love and joy. And maybe we should talk about this some other time in more in depth and just how to do some of that. Um, and and then the important thing is parents, husband and wives need to be on the same page. Yeah. 
And it's, that's sure. very, very difficult because there are, we both come from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And my expectation of when you say spanking and I say spanking, we both meant something different. Actually, in that case, we probably meant the same thing. Probably. But the... Um, well, but I'm, I'm for sure more emotional and I don't want my child to be crying right. or whatever. And so I feel like a lot of wives, they don't want their husbands to discipline harshly. And there are times, hopefully very few, but sometimes there needs to be a real punishment yes. come. Yeah, especially if there was something really bad to happen. But majority of the time, and if you're a homemaker, the the, the wife is going to be doing most of the discipline right. or most of the punishments. Yeah. I don't know. You, you reserve some of them for me. And uh, not too often. I didn't like to do that because I didn't want them dreading you coming home. Like, yes, because I, I did that with my, my dad. <laughs> my mom was like, You wait till your dad. Well, I learned to not want my dad to come home. <laughs> so I'm like, Yeah, and I didn't uh, want that. But obviously, no, there were a it. few times that I was like, Okay, you need to know about this. Absolutely. And, and that's necessary. But the, the parents do need to be on the same page. Yeah. And so maybe, maybe Isaac will, uh, hopefully, that helps. But um, we definitely probably need to go into more more depth on what that looks like in the future. Hey, this is Joshua Charleston, the producer of The Mike Charleston Show. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want to follow us, we're on Facebook at Mike Charleston Show and Instagram at underscore Mike Charleston Show. Please support us on Patreon for exclusive content. This episode is over, but if you want more, check out the website at fellowshipofbelievers.org for more information. The Mike Charleston Show has been brought to you by Fellowship Believers.